0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, or thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNC's apply. Grit. It's what enables an individual to persevere in accomplishing a goal despite obstacles, barriers, and ceilings placed in their way. Over. And over again, on SEN, this is Grit, with Daisy Fears.
1: Welcome to This is Grit for Victoria Police. Victoria Police is now recruiting, apply now. This week is part two of my sit-down chat in the home of the number one tennis player in the world, Ash Barty. I caught up with Ash at her Ipswich home in Queensland, alongside her two dogs, Affy and Chino. And over the next hour, we will relive some of the biggest moments in Ash's career. We'll get her view on Nick Kyrgios, and we'll find out about the extreme lengths Ash has and will go to in order to watch her beloved tigers. Who looks after Affie and Chino when you're on tour? Well, it turns into a bit of a bachelor
2: pad. Actually,
1: one's just given me a little sulky look over his shoulder, as if to say, great question, Daisy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Prold Apples is... He's a little bit anxious, little the poor little bugger, I think. He knows a storm's coming this afternoon, so he's a bit stressed about that, but um, no, when when I'm away, if Gary's not with me, uh, I have a friend of mine that also lives with us from school, and um, I've known him since I was 13 years old, and, and he's lived here with us. So it turns into a severe bachelor pad um, when <laughs> oh, I'm home. Oh, the two
1: boys. Yeah, but Afi, Variety,
2: and the two other boys. But uh, Affy runs the runs the house when I'm not here. Uh, I'm, I swear he cooks dinner for the boys. Um, um, <laughs> He'd be the most capable. Oh yeah, yeah. I would. I'd ring him if I could to check that the house hasn't burnt <laughs> down. But um, yeah. no dogs on tour. Not for me, um, but there are a lot of uh, a lot of the other girls have dogs, um, and I'm just I'm just like, come on, just give me a hug. I I need a dog. (laughs) I need a dog, and I need to to have a hug
1: right now. When you say some of the girls do bring their dogs, we're talking in the in the sheds, in the locker rooms of
2: yeah, Grand
1: Slams. There's dogs.
2: Yeah, the, the first the first time I ever more, noticed um, it,
1: I need more info
2: The first time I ever noticed it was Actually at the French Open um, Venus and her dog Harry um, Harry comes in a little kind of a like a tote bag And at the front
1: of the locker room It should says I, no should dogs Should I block Affie and Tino's ears? <laughs> I don't know, they'll
2: probably get jealous Sorry boys, I
1: hug other dogs um, Or just that they're They're, they're missing all out.
2: allowed <laughs> <laughs> But it says no dogs in the locker rooms yeah. And Venus has just taken a Her tote bag. No one's looked to see if there's a dog in there because you don't think that a dog's going to fit in a tote bag. And then, yeah, Venus goes into the shower and then I see this head pop out of this bag and I just almost lost it. I was like, this is incredible. (laughs) Um, Harry's... Oh, Oh, Chino. Hello, Hello, Chino. Harry's definitely a fan favourite. Harry Um, is in Venus's
1: dog, dog. if you're not following.
2: Yes. um, If you're not keeping up. Serena also travels with her dog, Chip. Chip. Um, Chip's like a little... Breed. uh, He's like a little miniature Yorkie. Um... Uh, beautiful stunning and yeah there's um dominica sibyl has a couple of dogs and there are a couple of tournaments that just um indian wells in particular it's a 10 12 day event um in kind of palm springs in in california and there's this big oval um kind of um around the practice courts and you often go down there and there's 15 dogs People just always bring their dogs to that event, and I'm just in heaven. I just so that's where you
1: around. find Ash Barty if you're looking for an Indian well. Oh, I just want to roll around the park with the dogs and <laughs> come, come on in. But
2: um, yeah, there are a few, and there are a few girls that have um, kind of service dogs for either members of their team or themselves or whatever it is. But um, yeah, there's there's enough puppy love on
1: tour um, that I get my fix when I'm not home with the boys. Um, in terms of the actual practice itself the other thing I've often wondered with tennis is what is the balance between like strength and conditioning training that you do versus skill practice and court practice Um, for me
2: I'm a little bit of a believer in um, quality over quantity Um, especially on court I feel like if I can get in what I need in a two hour session I'm, I'm good. Um, and is that done on feel where you just feel like you've done it and you stop or you set? Um, the th- we, con- we kind of have boxes that we want to tick each session and then um, obviously maybe I'll spend a little bit more time on, on something here or, or change it up a bit um, but my sessions are pretty boring in, in tennis. Uh, I feel like at times I really Um, want to drill uh, and need to kind of have that repetition and then there are other times where I just want to be really creative Um, but kind of a standard training day would be a couple of hours on court and then anywhere between an hour and a half and two and a half hours of off-court variety whether it's you know a bit of tennis specific movement conditioning gym a mix of everything Um, so I mean probably on a to try and create an average of of sorts you're probably looking at about four hours a day um some days more some days less that's just kind of natural variation of how my body's feeling um how much I've played especially towards the back end of the year now it starts to kind of taper down a bit Mm -hmm. and it's more about trying to stay fresh and and just hitting those really important points but um pre-seasons I mean pre-season it's Four or five weeks yeah. um, can be pretty brutal uh, I couldn't imagine doing an AFL preseason that would be my worst nightmare <laughs> I get bored of training after three weeks I'm like right let's go and play let's do something but yeah, um, yeah I think I'm also lucky to have Ties as a coach who understands me yeah and I don't even have to voice it he can see it and in uh, my demeanor uh, in the way that I'm practicing he just can flick the switch and, and knows what's up So within that
1: four hours a day, the split between like um, physical work, um, gym, technical stuff, versus actually just going out and playing and hitting balls, probably probably two and two, two and two,
2: yeah, probably half and half, um, because there'd be uh, you know I mean a day like today Uh, I kind of went and did a a two hour session on court. jumped over and did an hour in the gym and and then also kind of did like a half an hour of a, um, activation rehabby kind of stuff just to make sure this old body can can withstand tennis. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a normal day today and, um, kind of, yeah, done, done early afternoon. And and then I come home and and relax with the boys.
1: Part of why I ask is because, um, Sam Stosa for most of her career was like a standout in terms of her physical attributes. Why do... Uh, I might be wrong, but why do more tennis players not try and go after that in terms of strength and physical... Ooh, there is rain. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what, why is she a standout in that sense? Uh, I think knowing Sammy, she is the ultimate professional.
2: She will cross every single T and dot every single I until she knows that there's not another stone within a three-kilometre radius that isn't (laughs) unturned. Um, She's incredible. Um, She works very hard. She's naturally... um, She's a natural athlete. I think tennis is such an unnatural movement. It's such an unnatural way for your body to be trained. And um, you think we... Often, points of ours are two, three, four, five, six seconds. Like, it's pretty short. Mm. Um, But to be able to do it for... Two, three hours over and over and over and over and over and and still be able to create that the same power um, and have that same athleticism the whole time. It's a and not knowing when there's a finish. That's I think also the the hardest thing to train is that you can have a match that's 45 minutes or you can have a match that's two hours 45. It just depends day to day. There's no guarantees of what exactly. You're so for, I think yeah. um, you need to be the complete athlete, and I think um, women's tennis is becoming more athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, Girls are becoming stronger, and you have a look at the standard. The standard now, there are some some genuine athletes out mm. there, um, and there are a couple of girls where I go that um, oh, you just without a tennis racket, you are an athlete. Mm. First and foremost, you're an athlete, um, which is really really cool.
1: Yeah, well, I guess that's why I ask. And this is one of the things I love about sport is just that variety in body shapes and the diversity that you get in terms of um, you know what people's assets are, but. I'm trying to think of an example but let's say Maria Sharapova it, it seemingly and I'm sure she works very very hard on her game and like you said she's trained her body to the point where she can withstand long matches and backing up and all that kind of thing but to the naked eye watching it doesn't look like she's tried to get really really strong and um, pursue more strength and more power and all that kind of thing do people like her see that there's more gain in actually just practicing and getting better technically or what like is it just a body type that cannot um go after I guess the physical uh assets of someone like Sam Stosa well I think it just shows that there's more than more than one way to skin a cat um
2: that I mean I I look at someone like a Maria Sharapova when I play Maria for me it's about making it physical it's about Forgetting the tennis, I want to make her move and mm. make her run and make her tired. And then when I play someone like Maria um a, Maria Sakari, um, a, a Greek uh, friend, really good friend of mine, she, she is an incredible athlete. It does not matter what she did, she was going to be bloody good at it. Um, she could go and be a 400-meter runner, 800-meter runner. Uh, it, it's incredible. Uh, and actually, when I play her, I go, okay, we are taking the physicality out of this as much as possible. I'm not going to get her into a pattern that she wants. And that's what makes tennis uh, incredibly unique again, is it's not just the different ways to play tennis. It's the different ways to play your opponent uh, Mm. and to create different patterns and things like that. But uh, I think it's just a genuine um, range of body types, um, a, a genuine range of different tennis players and how they play the sport and how they want to play the sport. But... Um, Yeah, it's, it's just incredible the way that it can change so quickly opponent to opponent. You're
1: listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Up next, we'll play a bit of a word association with Ash regarding the biggest moments of her incredible career and find out how she handles the pressure of being a Grand Slam winner and the expectation on her to do it all again.
0: On SEN, This Is Grit with Daisy Pearce.
1: Welcome back to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. This week I continue my chat with tennis world number one, Ash Barty. If you missed last week, you can catch up via the podcast at sen.com.au. I'm just going to say a couple of words and you respond however you want, but the French Open this year. Bizarre. Crazy.
2: I think that's it's, it's uh, the only two words I can think of. Never in my... In my, um, in my dreams that I think that um, the French Open was a, a grand slam that I could maybe win, um, but I, I think I, I proved to myself, I proved to my team that the work that we do and, and being able to, to turn up every single week and, and give
1: yourself a chance um, pays off. Say so you you never in your dreams that you thought you could win the French, but let's just say grand slams more generally. That, that must have been what you have chased in your sporting career or maybe not. Is that is um, that what drives you to win a Grand Slam? Has that come into your thinking?
2: Uh I think it does without really realising that it does. Um for us, the Grand Slams are the pinnacle. The, the the pinnacles of our sport. Playing for your country is the pinnacle of your sport and I've just been spoiled um, and lucky enough to be able to play Grand Slams often. Um I mean I, I played a lot when um, when I was playing doubles with Casey, uh, I, I've had experiences at Grand Slam level and um, I think being an Australian, being a Grand Slam nation as we are, um, even brings more hype and more excitement to it where you think of um, someone from, you know, Eastern Europe who who doesn't have a Grand Slam, it's it's a bit of a different feel. Um, but for, for every single tennis player, we know that the Grand Slams are uh, kind of not what you're remembered for, but... Um, a lot of the greatest champions and, and greatest legends of our sport Are remembered, remembered for how many Grand Slams they win As well as the, the player
1: and the person that they were But um, Grand Slams is always at the at the height of that list So winning it, having held it in that regard for so long Was it everything that you sort of thought it would be? Were you... A nice <laughs> Ipswich or oh, Queensland storm rolling in
0: um, It was...
2: Get it, boys. Off you go. Boys, boys, boys. Um. Intermission. What's up? Come on. Uh, it kind of... It, it was, but it wasn't. It was one of the most indescribable feelings um, ever, I think. Uh, I was actually a little bit confused when um, the kind of the media comms person came up to me and said, look, this is the deal with the the ceremony so we don't walk around the court like we don't know what we're doing. I was told one thing, then I was told a different thing, and I'm like, I'm making a fool of myself <laughs> right now. I have no idea where to walk. I'm holding this beautiful trophy in one of the most magical days of my life, and I'm walking around like a headless chook not knowing where to go. But um, I think it was... My heart was racing the the whole time for kind of that 20, 30 minutes afterwards. Um, it was just i was sh- like shaking i kind of just couldn't believe it um and one of the kind of hour period two hour period of my life with the match and and kind of what was afterwards was one of the most indescribable um, periods of my life
1: i'm a professional lip reader and i had to laugh when you hit the win when Oops. <laughs> the <winner. laughs> I was as like- it sunk in that you'd want the french open I loved that you could come up with one word. Yeah, I was we like... We won't say it. I was like, what
2: you, you the... You can y- imagine how it. How are you going? <laughs> um, oh, I cracked as soon, you know, As soon as I did it, as soon as I kind of looked up at Ties and my box and everyone's there, I said... The first thing I was like, I shouldn't have said that. I was like, that's going to be there forever. And I was like... And then another one came to mind. I was like, stop thinking that. Let's just move pages now. Um, but that, uh, that smash, that shot... I was just like, literally, what has just happened? this is that match for me was under all the circumstances, against the girl that I was playing, the way that I knew that she wanted to play against me, for me to play that that perfect match, that in a grand final, that in a grand slam final was uh, just
1: absolutely remarkable. Uh, we could reminisce about that all day well I could at least you're probably sick of talking about it actually it was it's funny because I
2: haven't spoken a lot about it um, I would love to watch the match again I, you I haven't still, watched it I haven't watched it um, how long have you got I think <laughs> let's well, get it on well the match was what it had to be oh, I don't know hour and 15 about, about that I think um, you know come off season this year uh, once once we're finished um, and, and we're sitting at home with the puppies I think I'll have to I haven't watched many matches of of mine over the course of my career but I think I'll have to sit down with
1: with a beer and watch that one (laughs) I think you should (laughs) you enjoy that um how do you find I guess the culture around tennis um from the outside looking in it seems that like, like you said before, that we're a Grand Slam nation. When the gl- Grand Slams are on, everyone takes notice, not just the real tennis fans that are probably following your journey throughout the entire season, all your wins along the way in um, other tournaments and championships. But we, as a nation, stand up and take notice when there's Grand Slams. Since winning the French, it's almost been that, all right, now that Ash has won the French, <laughs> she should win Wimbledon. Yeah. Do you feel that, or is that just... What you know, what it feels like to me from the outside looking in.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I was. It was kind of a really bizarre feeling at Wimbledon, being top seed, and everyone said, "Oh, you're the favourite for the tournament." I'm like, "Right, well, I haven't even made it past the third round here before, so let's just take a step." <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's amazing in sport how how things uh, how quickly things can change in um, both the positive and the negative. Um, and I think being able to kind of mediate that a little bit is is one of the things that I've tried to prioritise and try and work Within on. Within yourself? Yeah, yeah, I think so because um, genuinely it it doesn't really matter what other people think and, and all the expectations and all their thoughts that, that they're coming up with. Um, I can't control what they're thinking and um I just have to try and try and do the best that I can and I know that I'll I'll sleep well at night um if I just give it a red hot crack and um you know I'm I'm human at times some days I'm going to be tired and grumpy and other days I'm going to feel amazing and um really feel like I'm you know I'm the best tennis player in the world but um there are a lot of days in between that as well so I think it's it's trying to just work hard and, and do your best every day. And um, if the stars happen to align and, you know, and you put yourself in a position to, uh, to be in the business end of big tournaments, and it's a bonus.
1: Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Coming up, I get Ash's take on how her humble demeanour and respectful down-to-earth personality compares to that of some of the other players on tour.
0: On SEN, This Is Grit with Daisy Pearce.
1: Welcome back to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. This week I'm in Ipswich, Queensland at the home of tennis superstar Ash Barty for part two of our in-depth chat. The first part is available to listen to at sen.com.au. It's a hard question to ask and I don't know what, how you'll answer it, but how do you feel when you're so humble and grounded and positive and have, I guess, so much... Um, respect and passion for your sport how does it make you feel with how I guess some of the boys Australian boys are considered by the public and I'm talking about Nick Kyrgios and Bernard Tomic how does the commentary around those guys and what we see in terms of their behaviour and how that's portrayed how does that make you feel
2: yeah I think um I've known Nick for a long time my first overseas trip was with Nick uh, when I was 13 years old and um I've got to know him on a personal level and the person um, when you're sitting with Nick one-on-one is completely different to the player on the court. Um, but that sport does that to everyone. Um, I mean, I'm different as a person um, as I'm just sitting on the couch to a tennis player and, um, I mean, I imagine you'd be different um, on a footy field. I certainly wouldn't want to come up against you on a <laughs> footy field and I think, um, yeah, it's it's hard for me to really... To know what's going on in in their head and um I haven't had much to do with Bernie in general um have, have never really crossed paths with him a lot but and even our tours we, we don't really see the boys a lot mm. we see them at the slams um and probably four or five big tournaments across a year but I mean you think for other other than 10-12 weeks of the year we don't see them mm. um I, I don't train with them I don't yeah. I don't really see them so it's a bit of a bit of a weird one just because a lot of the time I'm seeing what you guys are seeing Mm. and kind of from the
1: outside as well so it doesn't you don't feel like it reflects on you because they're representing the same country as you or you don't get that Um, sense on within the dynamics of the tour or the tennis world
2: uh not really I think because because it is so separate, and a lot of the the tennis players know that yeah. how separate it is. But um, I want—I mean, I want them to do well. Yeah. I want all Aussies to do well, and and kind of almost keep us on the map and make yeah. sure no, 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 guys, we're here. Our us Aussies, we're um, you know we're strong. We fight. We we give it a crack. And I think um, everyone's different. Everyone has their own own way of doing it. Um, you're never going to find two people that are exactly the same. But I I know that. Um, particularly on the girls' side, the the values that we have uh, and, and what we fight for is really strong, um, and I think that's that's why you see a lot of us doing well. Um, and but I mean, you you always genuinely want want the boys to do well, um, no no matter kind of where they are in the world and, and what tournament.
1: You got the Fed Cup coming up in November yes. in Perth. Yep, up against France. How special is Fed Cup? Like a proper team environment. It it is
2: the best the best weeks of the year um, without a doubt and um you know I, i come back to case again but case was the person for me that kind of when i started playing fed cup drilled it into me mate these are the weeks these are the weeks you remember these are the stories that you tell and i mean for a young fed cup career already i have so many brilliant stories from fed cup ties um people doing stupid stuff like you just you go what are you doing um some of the most heartbreaking moments are there any you can share um i mean and even just mm, yeah and (laughs) even just um other other memories um from older ties from when case played with mole and played with praddy and I just laugh because you, you can just see how it happens. Um, but we, it's just we've got a pretty good group, uh, an eclectic group, I would say, girls that are all a bit different, support staff that are all a bit different, but in, in some weird way we all come together and make it work. And, um, I mean, to if, if we were to win this, uh, this Fed Cup final coming up, I mean, what an incredible opportunity and what a way to finish off a year for me, um, being able to represent my country, To then afterwards, after that last shake of the hand for the year, um, it's just amazing. It's incredible. And if we're able to win that, I think that would be um, very, very, very hard to top in, in my career.
1: Right up there with a Grand Slam win. If, I, mean, you have I think a cup. I'll ask you again. Mid November. <laughs> ask, ask me. I think it's November ten. Yeah. But
2: if the stars align and and you know it's it's our weekend and, and it all works,
1: uh, it would be almost impossible to top a Fed Cup win. I think. All right. Um. I want to ask one more question about on court tennis, <laughs> and then we'll finish with a bit of a lighter segment. Um. I'm very mindful of your time. It's all right. <laughs> um. The mental side of the game, we've spoken about it a bit throughout the chat. Um, Do you train that, or is that just time on court? Because one of the other things that I just love about what you do is that you step up to the line to hit a big serve or hit a winner. You have to go all in. You have to go all in and give it everything, and if you don't, you're vulnerable to losing the point. Whether it's on a serve or a winner, you let your opponent back into the point. How, in those big moments... Do you train yourself so that you you're able to do that? Because naturally, I'd imagine when nerves kick in, the first thing that would happen is you hold back so that you don't yeah. lose the point. But you can't think that way.
2: Yeah, I think um, it it definitely is. I mean, I try and think of it like it's a you know a muscle to train. It's it's no different to me going and hitting tennis balls or or going for a run or, or you know lifting weights in the gym. Um, I feel like it's probably the most important part of my game, and it's the game that uh, it's the part that makes a difference, good or the bad. Um, I know that I'm still I'm still working on it. I'm still doing everything that I can to to try and be as strong as I can, and um, I think also understand how to use it to my advantage as much as I can. Um, at times, it's it's gotten the better of me, and you know those those are the matches, and those are the times where I'm most disappointed because I know that. Um, I, it was kind of my decisions that that um, weren't the right things and, and didn't help me out. But yeah, um, I mean, I continue to work on it every single day. Uh, and when uh,
1: you say work on it, like without giving away any trade secrets, specific um, training with somebody or a coach, or well, I think techniques or what, yeah. what what is it for you?
2: Uh, I mean, I think recently starting all. Oh, A year and a bit ago now um working with Ben Crow um for me was kind of the first real this is and he's a what what's his background I think probably more than anything I mean he's worked a bit in footy um works a bit in surfing and um Koch was the one that actually got me onto him and um yeah he's a kind of a life coach mentor I suppose more than anything and um just amazing how how a little bit of perspective um changes the way that I approach my tennis and approach my life and um, even though I'm so driven and very, very hungry to do well, um, I know that it's also not the end of the day if I don't. Uh, it's not the end of the world if I don't. Um, yeah, the sun will still come up tomorrow uh, and, and we'll be all right. So I think um, being able to have a balance um, in life and in sport um, is probably the most important thing.
1: You're listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Up next, Ash will do the footy record pocket profile and I'll ask her about her love of the tiges and the lengths that she's had to go to to tune in and watch them while on tour.
0: On SEN, this is Grit with Daisy Pierce.
1: Welcome back to This Is Grit. You're more suited than you might think to join Victoria Police. Apply now. Over the last two weeks, we've caught up with Aussie tennis royalty Ash Barty. The full two-part podcast is available at sen.com.au. All right, we're going to mix things up a bit and go light now. All right. (laughs) So you're the number one tennis player in the world. You had a little casual stint in a national cricket league. Do you reckon you could be a professional golfer? You love your golf. And I know it's probably got a very special place in your heart because it's where you met Gary, your boyfriend. Yep. <laughs> Tell us quickly about that, actually. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, well, um, met Gary at the golf club. He was um, is a golfer himself but is actually working um, with irrigation and kind of in the, in the maintenance team. And, um, yeah, just met him down at the golf club and played a few rounds with him, kind of went out. I don't know. Was what,
1: it in the pro shop?
2: Uh, no, first, first on course oh, okay. I'd, I'd seen him, uh, and then kind of, yeah, just cross paths, yeah. um, coincidentally a couple of times and <laughs> then a not couple of so times, correct, with my girlfriends. I was like, let's go play golf.
1: Um, <laughs> how but, many golf playing friends do you have?
2: Uh, probably... Oh, three that I'll play yeah, with yeah. Um, often. but Girls, I mean. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So we we go out and I'll play with um, other guys in my team as yeah. well, like um, Ty's plays, um, Mark, my trainer, plays, and um, Shuey, my physio, plays. So we kind of go out and um, we have a we have a comp that we play all around the world whenever we can get on a course, which <laughs> Shuey and I, Team Tiny against the other two. Um, <laughs> the world tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I mean, I would... <laughs> My uncle always joked to me when I was young, 9, 10, 11 years old. He goes, Ash, when you're done with tennis, we'll go on the LPGA tour. And I was like, right on, Uncle Nick. And I was like, well, first I need to learn how to putt. Uh, I have no problem
1: hitting a ball. I need to learn how to putt. That's for sure. Kind of essential, but I'd back you in. Um, another question, similar vein, and you can leave your humility in tennis. Could you walk into an AFLW club tomorrow and play? No, I won't be offended. No,
2: um, I honestly, I would be scared of tackling. You reckon? Because I've never done it.
1: I, what I, about that white line thing that we spoke about? I reckon you'd get out there.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I'd be so competitive. I'd probably be a real, real pain in the ass to be honest. Because I wouldn't know what I was doing. I'd just run around. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I reckon if you if you give me give me a preseason. Um, I'd love to give it a crack. I really would. All right. But, you know, there's only one team i I've got your phone number now. (laughs) But, you know, there's only one team I'd ever play for.
1: The Ds because we're (laughs) mates now or? Yellow (laughs) and black It's just so nice. I know, I know. (laughs) I've got no chance. Um, Now, the reason I ask about the AFLW is because during the French, they were playing a package of you and you warming up and hitting and all of that. And you are training with a footy, which is always a part of your warm-up, isn't it?
2: yeah a lot of the time a lot of the time we have our little um kid Sharon that we we travel with the one that's um soft as well um partly so it, we don't hurt our fingers but also because it fits in our bag <laughs> um we, we've gone through um Ty's bring it's his job he's got to bring the footy um we've absolutely killed this one it's got it's got bits coming out of it everywhere um and we we used to crack crack a new one um for every every different trip um but yeah the actually the dogs have got one that didn't make it past uh i think the australian summer a couple of years ago the little kid sharon that they play with they <laughs> knock around the backyard but um yeah we always take a sharon it's a it's a way for us just to break up a warm-up um they become a bit monotonous when i'm doing them 12 15 times a week i'm like okay, i need to do something different we just you know handball game we've made up so many different stupid games um but, yeah, always,
1: always ch- trouble with a foot. All right, so hearing that story about you teaching yourself how to <laughs> kick on your opposite foot, I will answer for you in that you probably could walk into an AFLW club tomorrow and I'm sure anyone would have you. But like you said, the first one that will get you, if it ever happens, maybe. <laughs> um, not that you're planning any other hiatuses, I don't think. Not just yet, okay. not just yet. Um, the Tigers, <laughs> Tell me about your love for the Tigers. When did you become a part of the Yellow and Black Army? Um,
2: actually started with Dad um, and for us for us Queenslanders through Rugby League. Um, up in North Queensland where Dad's from, he had, I think it was East Tigers up there and he supported the East Tigers in the Rugby League. And then naturally um, when they merged with, uh, well, when East merged with Balmain and became West Tigers, it was... Um, yeah he he started following westies and so when i grew up watching uh watching rugby at home it was west tigers and um i mean not many people know i pretended to support the lions through 2001 two and three when i was what six seven eight years old and i'm like oh this afl new sport oh brisbane they Fair win, enough. They win a premiership every year. Yeah. And then, well, I think it was 04, lost a premiership. I'm like, nah, I'm off of this. Done. Uh, but then actually... You know, in, that story
1: doesn't marry up with the rest of your qualities. Yeah, know That you'd just yeah. jump on for the flags and then jump <laughs> off the minute but they... But then it was, it was in that year that I kind of
2: realised the penny drop is that there are other teams in the competition. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, there's a Tigers team. Of course I'm going to support the Tigers team. So um, off I went and through how many... Years, what was that? Had to be, oh, thirteen or fourteen years of heartbreak, um, and then and then we win our flag, and I'm the happiest girl in the
1: world. We were talking footy before we got going earlier, and you were telling me the links that you have to go to sometimes <laughs> to get your footy fix, and and how finals time, which Richmond have featured heavily heavily in over the last couple of years, always marries up with your trip to China or the Chinese tournaments. Yeah. Tell me, tell me that story again. How it's, do you watch footy when you're in China? It's a
2: heartbreaker um, because I'm like, uh, well, I missed the, the Lions and Tigers clash this year at the Gabba all of half an hour from home because I was still in New York and I'm like, I'm on the opposite side of the world and the Tigers are playing in my backyard. This is just not great.
1: Cool.
2: Yeah, just killer. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, because we've won, we've got a week off, no footy. I'm at home. Damn it. And then we go to China and I'm in China for two and a half weeks and with all of their kind of laws, I suppose, around um, not just social media, but kind of internet in general and and website blockages in general, that's even with a VPN, I can't um, use my AFL pass to watch any AFL. So in 2017, I was in Wuhan um, trying to figure out if there was a way that I could get back to Melbourne. (laughs) And then back up to China in a 24-hour period and, and married up with with watching the grand final didn't didn't. How work. seriously are we talking that you considered this? Oh, I was looking at flights. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, I was still in the tournament in Wuhan, but I said, look, if if I happen to lose and I'm out of the tournament, I'm going to try and make this happen. And physically, it was impossible. I, there were no flights. It just didn't work. Um, and, and then ended up playing really well that week and, and making a final <laughs> of my own. Um, and, yeah... To watch to watch the final in the end, I had to FaceTime mum because it was the only way that I could get a stream, and she just flipped the iPad around and had it on the TV, and Dad and I were watching. And Dad's and so you're on FaceTime on the couch. Yeah, so mum's sitting up against some books and and the TV remotes. (laughs) So all three of us are well in the lounge room, I suppose. I'm in I'm in Wuhan, but (laughs) sitting on the couch with mum and dad. Quality time watching
1: the footy. Yeah,
2: and mum keeps trying to talk to us. I'm like, mum, I'm going to mute you. Like. Shh. Dad and I are watching the footy She goes, how going you going, like, how are your matches and I'm like, look, don't talk to me right now And I actually got Dad to mute Their side So, <laughs> so they couldn't hear me uh, And then I just ended up muting mine as well So we're just watching in silence And Dad and I, because we, I didn't want to hear what he was saying He didn't want to hear what I was saying um, So I watched the grand final Through FaceTime uh, Which was, I was going absolutely Bananas Yeah, <laughs> Good times Yeah, so that'll be a repeat for me next week. Um,
1: Hopefully watching
2: a couple of games, a prelim,
1: and if all goes well, uh, another grand final in Wuhan. So by the time this goes to air, you'll either be in the grand final or have repeated the 2018 fortunes. What's your tip? Which one of those do you reckon? Are you confident that you'll be getting ready for a grand final via FaceTime... Well, the dogs think so. Um, uh,
2: you know what? A girl can dream. I know that. I I know that I'm just going to have to sit back and one point at a time, but enjoy it as a spectator. But I have every faith and, and every belief that, <laughs> that we can do it, and I'll be entertained on
1: a Saturday morning in uh, in Wuhan watching the footy. <laughs> All right. So you're familiar with the AFL record. Yes, a little section in there where the players get hit with all the hard hitting questions. Yep. The pocket profile. Yeah. Um, have you Ash Barty got any pre-game superstitions or routines?
2: Uh, routines, yeah. Uh, without even kind of realising it, um, you know, simple. any quirky ones. Um, I'm a little bit particular with. Um, how my bag set up um, and my tennis bag and even my hotel rooms in general often if as soon as we get to a hotel room I said look Gary you just stay there for five minutes let me unpack let me find my space and then you can work around that um, <laughs> <that's fair. laughs> but with with my rackets in particular I'll have I have them in order um, I travel with eight rackets usually at a time and and once I'll change rackets with new balls uh, and things like that and for different practice sessions and then I'll kind of flip them the other way up so that I know that it's been used if if that makes sense I mean I can tell anyway but it's everything's in order everything's in the same pocket and even if I change tennis bags to a different color or whatever it is they're the same pockets same same home so in I mean if any if, if anyone ever needed anything out of my bag I could describe the pocket exactly where where it lives
1: um very nice greatest individual effort you've ever seen on a footy field, it says in the record. We can go with on a footy field or we can substitute it for a tennis court if you'd prefer. On oh, no, a
2: footy, definitely a <laughs> footy. What um, stands out? No, I'll tell you what, actually, um, Lockie Neal against the Tigers in round 23, he had, what, 50-odd f- 50 disposals? 53, I think yeah. was, yeah. for, for I yeah. Mean, for him to be able to get the ball that often and, and have that kind of control of it uh, in a losing in a losing game was remarkable.
1: Uh, favourite Netflix series? Not in China. You won't be watching it in China. <laughs> no, not in China. Sorry to bring it up again, but... Um, <laughs> um, what is your favourite Netflix series? I smashed out... Um,
2: how, is it How to Get Away with Murder? Or Making a Murderer or something? Um, how to Get Away with Murder, I think. I, yeah. Oh, I've on that so I'm... hard. That was, re- that was all of two days and I was
1: done. Rating out of five? Oh
2: yeah, five. Okay, Absolutely good. good.
1: Um, do you play Fortnite? No, no. I don't even know. I'm not a gamer. I couldn't. Is it PlayStation or computer? Some, I think Xbox. I'm not yeah, a gamer either. Yeah, I couldn't. Either. I couldn't work it. A... Just, I'm just reading out of the record. Ash, don't ask me these really hard questions. I couldn't use a controller. <laughs> couldn't save myself. Um, favorite animal? Dogs. Nice. Most prized possession? Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh the best gift you've ever received uh the best gift i've ever
2: received i think um something close to home actually uh when my niece was born um the first christmas we none of us knew but um sarah my sister i mean just got a the, the most gorgeous photo of Luce they got them professionally done uh, and she just gave it to us for Christmas in a photo frame and that was for me I was like no nah, this is this is really cool uh, a bit a bit quirky but close to home yeah favorite holiday destination North Stradbroke Island of Queensland how often do you go there I haven't in the last uh, probably five or six years seven or eight years but um, we used to go there as a family all of Um, our extended family uh, for for 10 days at the end of the school holidays every year and um, 10 days fishing with my uncles and and mucking around, kicking the footy and and playing um, every game under the sun for for 10 days straight was pretty cool
1: Dream job if you weren't a tennis player? Physio Yeah, Yeah. I think yeah. Uh,
2: What scares you? Heights Oh mate, it's so bad Uh, There was one There was a um player party um i think it was in toronto uh, a couple of years ago um it, the player party was at the top of their their tower and the, their highest building there um and one of the bit of the floor was just glass and i was like no nah, i'm done like i can i actually physically cannot handle that right now uh it yeah rips me to pieces
1: uh, and a talent you wish you had
2: dancing or singing I feel like... I'm with you on the singing. Well, I feel like even dancing, just being able to kind of fake that you can kind of move, whereas I've am got six arms and three left feet, like, it just doesn't work.
1: I've actually considered going and getting, like, dance lessons just to one song, f- like a yeah. hip-hop song or something, and then when it just casually comes on when you're out sometime, like, <laughs> well, dancing as if it just comes naturally, but it's heavily choreographed. Well, actually, funny you say
2: that with the Cricket Girls... I reckon it had to be my fourth or fifth weekend going to cricket. Um, we all decided as a team bonding thing, we we're going to do this activity. And then the skipper at the time, um, Delissa Kimmins, was like, yeah, yeah, guys, I'll organise it. Just bring like 12 bucks each or something. 10 bucks, we'll, we'll foot it. All right. After training on a Saturday, we've we've gone. And we're going, where are we going? She's like, oh, we're just going to – just just follow me. We'll be right. We'll be right. So we go in there and we're in a hip-hop dance class to to a song and we all had to learn it. It was diabolical. It was a disgrace. And it was, so we all kind of semi-learned it. Like, it was it was a private class, and, I mean, the, the teacher did not get paid enough for having to put up with us. Um, so we learnt the And now every time I hear that song, um, I, I think of that dance. And the song came on at my sister's wedding, and I was like, guys, <laughs> I got this. And off I went with Ali, my sister, who was getting married, and, and we did the dance, and it was one of the most disgraceful moments of my life it was it was terrible um but
1: a lot of fun so i think you have to do it that's gold well ash with the image of you de- what was the song actually <sighs>
2: it's like called
1: dessert like it dessert um, yeah it, it no nah, mate it's not good <laughs> well, with the image of you breaking out to dessert in our minds we'll end it there because we can't finish on a better note than that um thanks for your time like i said and sharing your story good luck for the rest of Good luck in China, first and foremost, and keep doing what you're doing. You do us all proud. Uh, Good luck to your Tigers as well. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks for coming over to our place and and putting up with the craziness that that is the Barty household. Thanks for the coffee too, I must say. Did it pass from overnight? There we go. All good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. A big thank you to our world number one, Ash Barty, for an incredible two-part chat. The full podcast is available at sen.com.au. Next week on This Is Grit, it's a special Tuesday episode. 7pm, This Is Grit will head to Sydney to sit down with a woman who, alongside Steve Smith, lays claim to being the best cricketer in the country, the dual sport superstar, Elise Perry.